From Relay FM, this is the Pen Addict, episode 224. Today's show is brought to you by Pen Chalet and Cricket. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Mr. Brad Dowdy. Hey, Mike Hurley. How are hey, you? I'm good, Brad Dowdy. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. Been a good week, been a busy week, been a stressful week, been a happy week, and uh, now I'm happy to be talking to you. Yeah, so let's, let's start off the show today with just a quick start update. So uh, as we record today, what are we at? Let me go and take a look. I'll open up the Kickstarter page. You guys are at 478 backers, $45,160, which is absolutely fantastic. 21 days yep. to go. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Congratulations to you both. Yes, thank you very much. So what does uh, the last week look like? So I was realizing today how whacked out on last week's episode I was. I mean, I know we we recorded for a long time, but I'm realizing this week how stressed out I was last week just with all the stuff going on at the same time. So this week, it's obviously calmed down some, right? Because you have that first initial burst. This is pretty much standard Kickstarter operating procedure, right? Mm -hmm. This is how it works. You get everything up front. You hope you do have a really good first couple of days. And then you kind of plateau, and then right at the end, you get another bump. So you have this whole range, middle range. So that's what I've actually been working on, trying to get get the word out, spread the word on the on the bag, send it to send links to people who I think might um, would cover it, you know, on their websites, things like that. Try to get some features written about it, and basically just putting the business Brad hat on, you know, trying to get more money, right? I mean we're running a business this is what we're trying to do so i've had a calmer week from i guess pace wise like i was answering questions and reading feedback and you know just bouncing around like crazy all last week this week it's more like okay let me try to direct some more eyeballs on this case and then doing you know different things you know by talking to different bloggers and websites and doing things like that and then on top of that, we announced a stretch goal, which, you know, Jeff and I have a stretch goal philosophy in general that we don't believe in stretch goals as they were traditionally done, especially in the early days of Kickstarter. Um, so we didn't even have a definitive plan for this stretch goal when we launched. Most people who schedule a Kickstarter project will schedule out their, will have a, the stretch goal plan laid out ahead of time. We weren't sure we were going to do it. Um, but we both wanted something, <laughs> so we tried to work it into this campaign, and I think it's going to work out well. That it's a it's an A five soft cover side bound notebook. Um, you know, a knock notebook. You know, with the uh, dot dash grid and and all the good stuff you're used to from from knock. You know, the great fountain pen friendly paper. Um, good paper for everything. And importantly, it's side stapled. So people have been asking us to do a side stapled notebook for ages, and we're starting to work that entire lineup now. And we thought this was a good project to announce that. So a lot of people have already been adding. We're, I mean, the stretch goal is for fifty thousand to basically activate the notebook, but people are already adding. You know, their pledges in. You know, ten dollars or twenty dollars based on their ten dollars a pack on Kickstarter, which they'll be much more than that after the Kickstarter. So people are already who already pledge for them. Yeah, to make it clear for anybody who doesn't like, basically, once the campaign reaches that level, the fifty thousand mm -hmm. level, all you need to do is add ten dollars to your pledge, and you'll get mm -hmm. the notebook, which is a, yep. a, a big discount. 
yeah, it'll be a big discount off of the full retail. And that's the way we can do this edition just for the Kickstarter project. This won't be uh, a stock edition. Mm-hmm. If for some, if if we over, like we'll have to overprint. If for some reason we have a hundred packs left, we'll sell them. But it's just limited for this project. This is the a colorway. The colorway. Yeah, right. you'll probably will keep this product right in the. Yeah, line. we'll keep the product, but it'll be different colors. Um, but then that'll also allow me to add a a pledge level for just notebooks. Um, and those will be for people who want to support. We've had a lot of people that want to support knock who don't necessarily need the linear in their lives and which is understandable. And that way they can get some, they can be a part of this too. So you'll be able to go in and back this project just for notebooks. If that's something you're interested in, um, there'll be a little bit more expensive just related to the linear backers because you'll have to pay shipping for those so it'll be you know like around fifteen dollars you know ten dollars plus five dollars shipping whatever I, I still have to do the math um so anyway we're pretty excited about it because it's a it's probably both mine and jeff's like favorite size format of a notebook to carry around you know it's not pocketable it's a little bit bigger than that but it's made to fit the a5 pouch for the linear so i'm pretty pumped about it so everybody who's back the Kickstarter, you should go and do what I'm doing right now. You go log on, mm-hmm. you go to manage your pledge, change your pledge amount, change mm-hmm. it by an extra $10, and you're good to go. Yeah, yeah. So you certainly don't have to do that now. You can wait, um, you know, until you, we actually cross the 50, but we'll definitely hit the 50, you know, hopefully by the end of this week. Um, yeah, you're just nicer than I am. I just tell people flat out to go do these things. I know. Uh, that's, that's how I roll, you know. Mm-hmm. I try not to... So this is Kickstarter is a hard thing for me, right? Because I have to do a lot of asking. Well, <laughs> you know? all of it is asking. And you have to. You you have to. I mean, it's it's a business, right? So, but I also try to be conscious of the supporters and our listeners and things like that. And you don't ask too much, you know, and that's my thing. So, I, I leave that to you. You do the you do the extras, the extra I do asking. the I do the hard sell. Yeah. But yeah, you can uh, just add ten dollars some people added twenty thirty dollars to their pledge for how many packs and if you've never been part of kickstarter before it basically all comes out in the wash in the end at the end you'll get a survey say you know we can see how many dollars you've added you'll put in how many extra packs of notebooks you ordered things like that so yeah it's all good so it's moving along we did get the uh kickstarter project we love tag which uh is always a happy maker and uh yeah we're just going to keep going from there i'm going to try to get some more coverage for the case um around the internets and uh just keep going and watch this thing keep on on ticking up you asked me before the show where i think it's going to end right Mm mm-hmm and I'm guessing between sixty and sixty-five thousand at the pace we're on right now. I mean, last so, week you said that your goal was a six-figure, so you're thinking it's not going to be that. How does that make yeah. you feel? Oh, completely fine. That was yeah. my that was my like blowout goal would be six figures. I would yeah, love yeah. it if it hit that. It's not going to hit that at this rate um, unless something crazy happens, which could still theoretically happen, mathematically possible, not likely. Um, I yeah, thought- I do similar goals like this for for like business revenue and stuff, right? So mm-hmm. I, I have goals that are like this is the goal that would be great if we hit it and is kind of realistic. Like it's still stretching us, but I think we can do it. And then I right. have the goal of like this is dream scenario, right? And dream scenario is significantly higher than even right. the goal I think I could maybe just get. <laughs> right, right. So I talked about getting to like where our last one hit, like that seventy-eight, eighty thousand dollars range. That would be a really great goal to strive for. So that's what I'm trying to push for. Mm-hmm. What I think is going to happen is, is is a separate thing, and I think that's just the way it's tracking right now. And which is fine because like the way this project set up, there's 
one item, right? Our other Kickstarter, there was like six or eight different pledge levels. So there was all kinds of different things people could support. And that's not how this project set up. So, you know, we understand that. And, you know, it, it may not hit that number, but we're completely ecstatic with where we're at right now and where this is going to finish because, you know, it's going to finish, you know, uh, a decent amount higher than this. Um, but it's hard in that middle, just watching it plateau for two weeks, you know, in the middle where it's just trickling in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's that, this is, this is the slow portion. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, a, we've already like surpassed what we needed to do this project and everything's completely on track and uh, looking good. So we're happy about it. Yeah. Cause like at a very basic level, it's set now. It's done now. You got what you needed. Yep. You got more than you need now. We're all good. Like you can now go ahead and make this product and sell many more of them into the future. Exactly. Exactly. So that's the plan. Talking about plans, someone in the Slack reminded me the other day that the London Pen Show is this weekend. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I forget this every single year, (laughs) but I did, but I'm going to go. Good. So it's on the 2nd of October, Sunday the 2nd of October. It's in London. I'll put a link to the uh, London Writing Equipment Show Facebook page. I don't know why they don't call it the Pen Show, but it's called the London Writing Equipment Show. I think it's set up by like the London Writing Equipment Club or something. Like it's gotcha. based on the, the, the name of the organization that sets it up. I really do wish that it was just called the London <laughs> Pen Show because that's yeah. a better name. And Super I will easy, yeah. forever call it the London Pen Show. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, we're, I'm going to be making a visit. Um, I don't know when because I've got some other stuff happening on that day. So I don't mm-hmm. want to kind of be like, hey, everyone, let's go meet up. Right. But if you're going to the pen show, uh, you may see me. If you do, come and say hi. I'm just basically going to look. I have absolutely no expectations about what they'll have. Um, I have no plans to buy anything. Uh, but I'm going to go. Me and Adina, Adina wants to go too. She wants to see what it's like. Cool. So uh, I think it's I think it's well worth just going and, and checking it out. And if you're going to be at the London Pen Show, I hope that I'll see you there. Uh, just come up and say hi, and we can geek out over some pens together. I don't even know if I'm going to take any of my stuff with me um, because Nothing it doesn't unique. really feel it, it doesn't really have the same kind of vibe that that, that like Atlanta or because I don't know anyone really. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a different different kind of crew. Uh, I think yeah. it, from my experience of it last time, it's very, set up very differently. It's purely like a walk in, walk out, don't stop. Mm-hmm. So I, I looked through the site and it looks like I, I saw links to a gentleman named Sarge Minas. Um, you've heard me talk about Sarge um, at pin shows before. He travels to the big ones over here in the US, but he's a Londoner. Um, he should be there. If you don't do anything, you should go up to his table because he has the most beautiful stuff. And you should introduce yourself. Tell him, you're, tell him you know me. And um um, you know, I, I, will. I really enjoy talking with Sarge and tell him that I say hi. I'll do that. I'll find Sarge. And hide your wallet because his stuff is the best. Yeah. See, I'm also at the wrong time in my life to be buying pens, you yep. know, like, uh, but I'm sure I'll buy something small, right? Just so I've, I've done something on the day, you know? Right. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to go swing by because uh, I want to go and see it. Um, I have like this, like back of my mind plan. Mm-hmm. To, to help these people, you mm-hmm. know, or like mm-hmm. to do my own. <laughs> right? But this <laughs> is like so far into the future, just like getting you here, mm-hmm. right? And then we we do our own kind of London-based show. 
but like that'll probably never happen but it's just one of those things that like i have it in the back of my brain as like a sure someday maybe type thing but Mm -hmm. yeah there you go london pen show if you're going to be there i hope to see you Uh, if you're not going to be there i'll tell you what it was like next week now i saw on instagram uh Mm -hmm. your new retail tags for knock (laughs) yeah so we're going into retail finally um that's a finally um People of, you know, stores and shops and online retailers have been wanting to sell our goods forever. And it's been a quite a process. You know, it's we've talked a, a lot about, you know, just knock as a business and how we're three years on now and, and how things are moving towards the future. And um, this is a huge goal of ours to get into retail and have that kind of sustainable manufacturing. You know, we found an outside manufacturing partner to help us out with this to allow us to do this. So we have to do a couple of you know, a few little things we want to send, you know, when we send the cases to retailers, we want them to be able to have, you know, know what the product is and, you know, have a little thing for the customers when it shows up. So we just made some hang tags for, um, the brass town on the Sinclair. So they just, they came out really cool. And so we'll be, uh, <laughs> Jeff and I will be hang tanging, uh, thousands of cases here in the very near future. So what is, re- what's retail going to look like? Like what is retail for knock? Like, because you keep mentioning, but now you've got tags, it seems like they're going to be displayed in places. So that's just in case they do get displayed in things, places like pen shows, um, brick and mortar stores, things like that. Like some of our retailers have brick and mortar stores. Some of our retailers are online only. So, so there is a list of retailers that you're going to, but maybe you're not allowed to say yet. Right, right. We'll eventually, once we like really, really launch and know the know dates that the retailer is going to have these things and... You know, that's all still like a moving target right now, although yeah. it's 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 in the terms of weeks, not months, right? It's like it's coming soon. I think it would be really an easy job to guess. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's kind of a no-brainer type, yeah. type of thing. So, yeah, it's totally obvious. But I don't want to say yet because I don't want to – there's there's no official release date yet, so you, you don't want to do that to your retailers. So. Nope. so, yeah, that's just something we've done knowing that you know, this is kind of like a, a needed thing for for retailers. And, you know, plus I think of it from like a inventory standpoint, they might need to slap a barcode on it so they know it's something, you know, know it lives somewhere as far as inventory goes. They might scan in, scan out so they can add their barcode stickers to somewhere. So those are the kind of things I have to think about. You know, I don't just want to send essentially a naked case. I don't want to send our belly bands because they're like more likely to get damaged um, in transit and things like that. So hang tags it is i'm excited to see what you do there yeah it's coming soon um i just don't have a date yet but like i said we're talking weeks not months just one last thing before we uh talk about pen chalet mm. uh, it feels like the new field notes are just around the corner yeah so i got the hey confirm your address what about a week ago mm-hmm. um, and they're doing it this seems to keep happening to us so next week we're recording two episodes on our oh, that's day right. that's because right. uh you're going to be traveling right the week yeah. after so we have a weird schedule next month you know what's going to happen the, the, the announcement's going to happen just after we finished recording and then we can't talk about them for weeks yeah <laughs> so if anyone out there from field notes listening just just tell the world before next wednesday and then we can at yeah. least talk about them we would appreciate that or just tell us, and we won't release it till after they release. Yeah, just tell just us. Let us know. Just send them straight, yeah. like you know, like FedEx them directly <laughs> to me and Brad. Like, you know, like overnight those things. Yeah, we'd be very grateful. Get on that, Brian. 
This week's episode is brought to you by Penn Chalet. I love this company. I love working with Ron. Penn Chalet, I want to just like break from the norm here because you right. you guys know everything about Penn Chalet, that they have all your favorite brands. They have everything you're looking for. Free shipping on orders of $50 in the United States. They sell internationally. Great shipping rates. 100% satisfaction guarantee. You know this because I tell you this every two weeks. And that's what I want to talk about today. This company supports this show more than anybody else. Every two weeks since they began, which was like, I feel like very close to when Relay started. Mm-hmm. when and, and Ron has been with us and continues to sponsor with like, there's not even any question. He just, mm-hmm. we'll just keep doing it. Like we don't even talk about it. Like he's just like, keeps doing it. Every two weeks, I send him an email, say, Ron, what you got for me? He sends me an offer, which is always amazing. This company helps support this show, which helps us continue making this show. And they also have great offers and great deals. So you can, uh, you can uh, satisfy your pen cravings. So I want you all, as always, whenever you have a pen that you're looking to buy, go to penchalet.com first. P-E-N-C-H-A-L-E-T.com. You click the podcast link at the top of the website, enter the password penaddict, and you will get the code that you need to save 10% off anything at Pen Chalet. So you're doing two things by going there first. If they have it, you can buy it and support the show. If they have it, you can buy it and get 10% off. That's what I want you all to do. <laughs> there is a special offer this week on that secret uh, pen addict area. The Conklin Durograph in amber at 40% off. Now, that is a big saving. I don't know much about this pen, Brad. Yeah, I don't I don't own any Conklins, but this is essentially the price of a Lamy Safari for a really nice... Um, looking amber acrylic conklin you know very classic styled um it's very pretty it's a it's great so great uh color and yeah, of great course a great pen. price of course because it's pen chalet yeah and of course i'm going to mention it until ron sells out he still has the platinum 3776 gathered uh pens in stock which i think is one of the the best looking pens and and may i add to your um to your pen chalet um conversation with a little anecdote yep so we got a tweet yesterday from Deborah. It says, by the way, I ordered a Caveco student from Penn Chalet on a ride to the Rockies game, which is that's a baseball team in Colorado, uh, based on a podcast recommendation. Love it and love the discount too. And Ron replied back, thank you. Hope you enjoy the pen. So it was it was very cool. Like she did it uh, on the drive, uh, ordering, listening to the podcast, ordering from Penn Chalet online and super easy. So thank you, Deborah, for supporting us, the Penn Chalet, the Penn Addict and uh, everything. That's pretty cool. If you buy from the Penn Chalet, tweet at us. Maybe we'll start mentioning this. That was good. I like that. So we can do that. Go yep. to penchalet.com. Thank you so much to Penn Chalet for sponsoring Relay FM and the Pen Addict. You can tweet at us. You can tweet at uh, Penn Chalet. Let them know that you're supporting the show. We'd appreciate it. Yeah, very much, very much. So a recurring theme we've had in, gosh, since the summer, um, it's now fall, thankfully, even though the temperature's not changing, is we've had... Um, discussions about Anne Trubeck and the handwriting, um, handwriting going away, curse of being taught in schools, all kinds of things like that. And, you know, I've gotten pretty animated over some things um, in, in my own little way. Very, I would say I've gotten stern on my beliefs. And just to clarify, because there was some confusion the last time we spoke about this, I'm okay with curse of not being taught in schools. I'm not okay with handwriting not being taught in schools. 
So there seems to be a little bit of confusion in some of my wording. Like, I'm not going to go to the mat for cursive. You know, if cursive is dying, you know, I want to see it continue. If if it dies, but handwriting in some way, shape, or form is taught in schools, that's all I can ask for. You know, it's probably going to be cursive if it's taught in schools. So, you know, that's cool. As long as handwriting is taught in schools, that's my platform. That's what I want. So cursive being, as we've said before, called joined up handwriting, mm-hmm. uh, that at least when I was a kid, you were taught handwriting. Then you were taught cursive. Right. Then we were taught italicizing for a reason I will never understand. <laughs> I I remember vividly that class. I remember, and I don't know how old I must have been, but I remember vividly just in pain struggling to do this thing because everybody could do it except me yeah i I just couldn't get it to work (laughs) and i'll put it down to my left-handedness i don't Mm -hmm. know why that would be an excuse but that's the only one that i will give uh and i remember i remember the teacher coming over and telling me how just how wrong it was and showing me everybody who was doing it right I will always remember that class. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why you ever had to learn the uh, the italic uh, cursive stuff. That was that was weird. But um, anyway, so uh, back on to Anne. You know, our friend Tony from Everyday Commentary wrote a massive. I'm mean, I guess you call it a Tony takedown. That's what he kind of does on some certain products. So this time he did it um, on the cursive handwriting. Basically, after the we mentioned the New York Times op-ed piece that she wrote, and he went full lawyer mode. Um, onto his uh, discussion. It's a really, really long post. A lot of people read it. A lot of people thought it was overly aggressive um, in trying to, you know, take her down. Um, But Miss Trubeck responded to him. You know, she was pretty taken aback by the whole thing. She had a, he posted her entire response, which was long in itself. And we have all these links in the show notes. If anyone hasn't um, read any of this, you can certainly check it out if you're interested. Um, and then, uh, you know, Tony wrapped it up saying, you know, he appreciated her and, you know, here's, you know, my stance on, on everything. And then yesterday I got a tweet where Andrew Beck and I forget the other gentleman's name here. I got the link in here. Uh, Chris, I believe I'm sorry. Let me get his name. Correct. Oh gosh. Christopher, Christopher Rulo. Um, talked on a show um, on CBC Radio, which is Canada's uh, radio station, about is handwriting obsolete in the digital age. So she had a conversation with him on there. And where I'm at in this whole thing, this whole Anne Trubeck thing, is I don't know what she stands for, especially after reading her responses to Tony um, and in relation to what she wrote in her op-ed piece. So I've emailed her this morning. Um and she replied already, you know, I'm asking her to come on the podcast. You know, I don't want this to be a one-sided conversation. You know, I think she deserves a platform to to talk about, you know, what she believes in. And she replied back and she said, hey, I'd love to be on the show. She said, have you read my book? I'd be happy to send you one. I said, no, I haven't read the book. But if you want me to read that before you come on the show, that's fine. I said, but here's what I really want. I said, while we, this is me, my response to her, then I haven't heard back. I said, well, we can definitely talk about the book, what I really want to wrap the discussion around is how you have been labeled as anti-handwriting and get your thoughts on that. What is your true stance on handwriting being taught in school, schools, cursive dying out and things of that nature? That's where I'm confused. So, you know, her book, um, oh, handwriting just doesn't matter was the title of the, the New York times 
article. I understand that she probably didn't write that headline. You know, mm-hmm. most uh, most um, you know newspapers write to have their own headline writers. But um, the book is called "The History and Uncertain Future of Handwriting." I think the message is getting lost somewhere on what she's really trying to do, just based on some of the wording of the New York Times piece. The title does not help. Handwriting just doesn't matter. The image they attach to it says end of an era. And especially at the end of the article where she says there will be no loss to our children's intelligence. Like I find that hard to believe. So I've offered her the opportunity to come on and discuss this. Like I'll be happy to discuss the book. We can discuss every part of the book she wants. I'll read it before she comes on if that's what she would prefer. But what I really want to know is what her stance is because she's being made out to be anti-handwriting by Mm -hmm. everything I can tell. She may just be anti-cursive. That's cool. I've got no problem with that. Does she want handwriting taught at all in schools? Yes or no? That's it. That's when I want to know what, what the stance is. If you don't want cursive taught in schools, great. Do you want handwriting taught in schools, period? That's all. I mean, I think it's that simple. I think this has gotten like way out of whack in what what her what her stance is. I The way I read her stuff... It makes me think she doesn't want handwriting, but the way she answers Tony and the way she answers questions on um, the CBC broadcast, it doesn't sound like that. But she never really says one way or the other. It's never, so, it's never clarified, maybe because right. nobody's asking. Right. So I said, I told her specifically, I said, that's what I want to know. I said, we can talk about your book all day long, but here's what I want to know. Because you're being made out to be an anti-handwriting villain. Is that true or not? You know, I don't want to keep banging on her i don't want to put words in her mouth you mm-hmm. know so we'll see you know we'll I'll, I'm, i will keep efforting that she's already replied once so we'll see if we can set something up i'd like to have her on and i told her you know we're obviously biased towards handwriting on this show but this isn't going to be some you know sneak attack hatchet job i want to come on and have a conversation and here's what i want to talk about you know i'll give her the floor and but i'm going to ask black and white questions do you believe handwriting should be taught in schools pretty simple to me watch your space kids <laughs> so uh on that subject that can get a little intense we have maybe the exact opposite of that have you heard of ppap mike well this is one of those things <laughs> that for whatever reason it hits a nerve with people and then i start getting it sent to me in like a snowballing effect and <laughs> it is picking up and and I'm pleased we're talking about this today because otherwise it's going to continue. <laughs> you so, want it to stop. This is just something that seems to be a little bit of a meme now. It's this very peculiar song that has come from somewhere in Asia, I'm assuming. Um mm. I don't know the exact origins of where this song comes from. There's kind of no information about it at all. Um, and I don't, I cannot recognize uh, which language some of the subtitles are written in. Mm. Um, but it looks to me like a, like an Asian language, maybe Korean or Japanese or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and But the song is in English and it is called Pen Pineapple Apple Pen. <laughs> So obviously people send it to me because it has both pens and pineapple in it. I'm well known for my love of pineapple pepperoni pizza. 
mm-hmm. which Jason Snow introduced me to. Mm-hmm. So it is one of those things where it's just like the perfect crossover of things that I talk about and enjoy, right? Right. I can't explain what this is. I don't I I have no <laughs> idea what this song is. It makes me uncomfortable to watch it. I watched it for the first time just before we recorded today. Mm-hmm. It will mm-hmm. be in the show notes of this week's episode. Mm-hmm. Just pause the show and go and spend 90 seconds watching this. Yeah. So you understand what we're talking about. Yeah. But you've got to know that you're going to feel like physically uncomfortable when you're done. Oh, this guy's a straight up baller. I mean, oh, uh, Apple pen. Yep. Yeah. You're going to be singing it the rest of the day. Pen, pineapple, apple pen. Oh, uh. uh. it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. I don't like it. I do not it's like totally it. amazing. You know, it's amazing. And you're going to be singing it all day and you can't wait to show Adina. It's very Gangnam style, I think. In yes. Kind of, well, uh, I mean, this thing's got 7.7 million views on mm-hmm. YouTube right now. So How many yeah, of them are you? Something's going on. 0.7 oh, million? Maybe three. Maybe three. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Apple pen. <laughs> dear, oh dear. Why, 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 are you, why are we sticking the pens into apples and pineapples? Yeah, I don't know. And then why do you put them together? It doesn't make any sense. This is why it makes me uncomfortable because I feel like he's not singing about pens and pineapples and that's why I yeah. don't like. Right, right. That's why you can go, oh, exactly. in there. Because he's freaking me out when he looks right into my <laughs> eyes and makes that sound. It's not good. Yeah. It's not yep. good. So we should stop doing it because it's <laughs> okay. probably way worse coming from me and you. Oh, it's going to last at least another week. I- I'm pretty certain of it. Oh, yeah. This is, you know, now I have Gangnam Style in my head. Mm-hmm. That that is just a great song. Yeah. So I, what I will not be doing, I will not be showing this to my kids because yeah. the Gangnam Style never died. That took like a year to go away. This will not be viewed in my household. Well, not as long as I can doing. control it. Yeah, as long as I can control that. <laughs> so yeah. So that's a thing. So we have a bunch more to get to on the show. We have a bunch of Ask TPA, and I want to have a little mini topic here. Um, that comes up in Ask TPA a lot, and it comes up in my inbox and, and Twitter feed a lot, and it's something we've covered before. But it, as it continues to, you know, be a thing, I want to kind of revisit the topic of selling a pen. So we've discussed this plenty of times on the show: where to sell a pen. We get a lot of Ask TPA questions: where to sell a pen. I've never really kind of elaborated on things, and I've been doing that. I've done this a couple of times in the Pen Addict Members newsletter, which is called Refill, which you should totally subscribe to. Um, Mike will vouch for me. Love um, Refill. I'm sure. It's my Sunday afternoon uh, email list mm. thing that I read newsletter, and it's the only newsletter that I receive. That I will never delete until I read it. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. So, you know, early on in refill, you know, maybe in issue 10 ish ballpark, um, you know, I had a podcast, a little mini show with Dr. Deans of Penn Economics. Um, and he had challenged me to sell one of my pens because we talked about that, you know, having too many pens, you know, too many pens not being used. And I wasn't sure I could do it. And, you know, I ended up selling four pens. I was like, OK, like I can actually do this. You know, it was a little bit of cathartic experience, a little bit of cleaning out, um, a little bit of thinning the herd. You know, if you're not using a pen, you know, maybe it can be rehomed somewhere else. So that kind of falls into the why, you know, why are you, why do you want to sell a pen? Well, maybe it's, you have too many. Um, maybe you will have found the perfect one that's for you and you want to sell everything else that you've tried. Maybe you need the money for something else. Um, me, I've been selling, 
I haven't sold any since that first batch of four. Um, and that was to buy other pins, you know, use it to fund a bigger purchase or a different purchase, um, bigger, smaller, whatever it is. So the topic now comes up, well, how do you do that? Like people who are following this show, you know, have bought fountain pens, you know, or are new to the show, haven't really considered this topic because you, you would never sell like in the past, if you had like gelling pens, you're rather, you're, you just don't sell those. You didn't pay very much for them, but with fountain pens, you can actually recoup some of your purchase price. If you're not using the product, just like anything else, clothes, backpacks, cars, whatever, you can recoup some of that cost, use that money for something else. So there is a secondary market for fountain pens. And so the question always comes up, where do I sell, where and how do I sell my fountain pens? The first place I always send people to is probably the least um, thought of place. And that's the FP geeks message board. Um, I think it's probably the most um, reasonable group of people on a selling channel where you can have, you know, your post up, um, lots of people checking out the board. Um, it's a good community over there, strong community. Um, it's not the biggest fountain pen network is the biggest, but their classified section is high volume. Like your post might go missed like on fountain pen network. You know, if you're looking to buy something that's hard to find, I would look at Fountain Pen Network first. If you're looking to sell something, I'd probably go to FP Geeks first because it's a little bit smaller, a little bit more manageable, but still you're getting enough eyeballs on posts to, you know, if you want to sell something, that's a good place to do it. Another place that doesn't get thought of and it comes up from time to time, and I mention it, is on Reddit. There's a board called Pen Swap that's actually a pretty decent place to sell. There's good moderators over there that, you know, you don't necessarily, you know, you never a hundred percent guarantee that the transaction is going to be perfect, but they do a good job of managing, you know, any bad seeds, just like FP geeks. And that would be the same with the FP geeks and fountain pen network as well though, right? That, sure. That's what makes me exactly uncomfortable the by the way. Well, that's why people ask this question because there's no perfect answer, mm. right? I mean, eBay is not the perfect answer. And you notice eBay is not even on my list. That would be my last option, unless you're a seasoned eBay user. See, I would have thought that eBay would be the best one because they have all the protections in place. Yeah. I mean, but you hear stories of people having to, you know, run the gamut of getting all that fixed afterwards. Sure, but like FP Geeks and Fountain Pen Network, they don't even have a gamut to run. Right. Right? Am I being unreasonable here? Like... If the concern is, oh, you have to fill out a bunch of paperwork and forms if the transaction goes bad, isn't that better than tough nuggies? No, because hopefully in places like FP Geeks, it's handled beforehand, if that makes sense, by not having a Wild West type of community like eBay, where anyone and everyone can come through, even though that's a possibility. I mean, sure... But if something does go wrong, the likelihood may be less, like mm-hmm. a lot less. But if something does go wrong, you're out of luck. Sure, there's there's no agree. there's no uh, there's no system in place to help you. Right. Okay. Right. That's just what I want to put out there because maybe sure. I'm talking as the person in fear, the person yeah. who needs these suggestions. But this is why I never sell pens. Right. I just I just don't want to deal with that. 
Right. That's why this is a topic because there's not an easy answer. Right. There's not a, there's no perfect answer. Even on the pin addict Slack sell trade channel. I mean, we never have any issues, but that doesn't mean there couldn't be an issue, right? See, I'm uncomfortable even selling my pens to friends because right. I wouldn't want to do something bad, you know? Sure. Some people would rather not have a friendship with the people that they're selling to. So if you're looking to sell a pen and you've never done it before, like go to FP Geeks and browse around, you know, see how other people are doing it, see what the community's like. And, you know, you're going to have to have a certain comfort. If you really want to sell these pens, you're going to have to jump in somewhere, be it FP Geeks or eBay. There's never going to be somewhere that gives you the perfect warm, fuzzy feeling that everything is going to go absolutely perfect. I mean, there's no such thing. So, yep. Don't my my advice is just that is spend some time browsing first. You know, unless for some reason you have an emergency and, and need to sell things quickly, that's a different story. Um someone mentioned yesterday on Twitter when we were talking about this that Instagram is a good way to do it if you want to post things, but then again, you're at the same you're in the same uh, place, you may not know you know, who's buying from you and things like that. But if you're actually looking to move things quickly, Instagram's actually not a bad idea. Because you to, can uh, post pictures and then, then you will like have direct message conversations with people, I guess. Yep. Hmm. Yep. And I I've, I follow a couple of people that do sell pens, like some pens that they restore, some really beautiful stuff. And, you know, then they sell the pen through Instagram. I thought that was kind of cool. Not to hammer on this, but if there's no rules and regulations, mm-hmm. then it doesn't matter where you do it. Like really, like the the Insta- Instagram is as good as any forum. Yes. Hmm. Yes. So you know, I've had success. You know, um, you know, I just sell things directly, and you know, I'm lucky in that I have a platform to be able to do that. So, and who doesn't want the pens of Brad Dowdy? You know. <laughs> so speaking of which, I think I've come up with seven more that I'm about to sell. Whoa! You're gonna get the skinny on the show. Get people. Uh, get people. Get the get the pump primed, as it were. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I got to, I got to, I've, I've listed them all out. I need to go work on pricing and figure out what boxes I have and get all the specs of the pens and stuff. But what are they? I want to know what they are now. I'm not telling you yet. Uh, Is there anything I might want? Mm. I mean, you know me, there's probably always something you want. Yeah, that's true. There's actually, here, I'll give you a shocker. There's Mm -hmm. actually two orange pens. Yeah. See, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, I'm wondering what orange pens you have to go (laughs) because I might want one. Yeah. Yep, you don't yep, get to yep. tell me? No. Oh, See, I don't rate. get anything. I don't get anything. I, I got the linear, <laughs> but whatever. I don't get anything yeah. for free around these parts. <laughs> oh, my God. Nothing. You're going to go there? Nothing We're like the most guy. fortunate people on the planet. <laughs> from you? From other people? Yeah, I get, I get lots of stuff, and I'm very happy. I like to pay it forward. But yeah, I don't. these are all pins that I bought with my own money. I want to make that clear. I never sell anything that was given to me. Okay, I give, I'll give them away. I'll give them ah, away. Ah, yeah, that's a good that's a good system. Oh yeah, I don't hold on. To, I've given away tons of pins. Selling pins is hard, uh, harder because actually I've, you know, I if I'm buying a pen, it's usually for a reason because I want it for some reason. But sometimes you you fall out of love with that pen, and it's time to move on. You got other things. I am I am saving up for a pen, which is why I have these um, on the market. It's that sailor. Um, 105th anniversary which we talked about oh you're saving because you give it i just like it i just like to do it because i know you hate the 105th anniversary sounds so dumb (laughs) i'm not going to disagree with you there that's pretty funny it's just like oh here's a round number 
but it's a cool pen, so I'm saving up for that. So. I'm on the waiting list. Crazy Bobbles in the chat room gave a little story that I have to read out because I think this is this is kind of funny in like a in a macabre kind of way. Uh, <laughs> still chuckling at one auction I saw where someone is selling two sailor pens. The photo shows his credit card bill and a bic next to it, painting a depressing story that they have bills to pay and had to resort to bic. <laughs> It's kind of sad, but at the same time, you can't help but laugh. Yeah. I am not selling the Sailor Pink Love. That will be a hard one to part with. Sorry, Christine. I'm going to launch a Mission Impossible style heist um, Mm. with like rappelling from the ceiling to get that thing. So you better have it in some tight security. I do. Highly secure. This week's episode is brought to you... Also by a new sponsor, and that is Cricket. Brad, I think you're going to like this one. Mm. And, 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 and there might be an interesting story in the middle of this ad that you may not know about, Brad. Yeah. So Cricket is a company that was founded in the pursuit of the perfect polo shirt. The, the founders of Cricket were unhappy with the polo shirts that they were finding on the market, so they decided that the only way to get what they were looking for was to go out and actually make them themselves. Cricket shirts feature the perfect mix of old school style and modern design and their shirts are all about being better than what you can find out there in the market today. They're better fitting, they're not too baggy, not too skinny. They have a better collar. They feature removable collar stays to help your collar looking crisp and new. No more ruffled up bacon collar. Bacon collar, right? This is the mm. thing where you know you got like a polo shirt I like it. and you've been wearing yeah. it for a while and it goes like kind of wavy. It looks like bacon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they have these little collar stays and I got a bunch, like I got a couple of shirts from Cricket. I'll talk about those in a minute, but they also sent some extra collar stays. So you just pop them out like when you're washing it and stuff, but you have extra ones, you pop it in and it keeps the collar nice and crisp. This is what you usually get on like nice expensive dress shirts and stuff. So that's a really, really smart addition. Um, Cricket have a better shopping experience. They have no hassle, free returns and exchanges, and they have better fabric. All of Cricket shirts are super soft, 100% certified organic cotton to make their shirts as comfortable at the 19th hole as they are on the 18th. Brad, what's the 19th hole? <laughs> so the 19th hole is the bar you go to after you finish your round of golf. So there's 18 holes generally in a general round of golf. So a lot of golf courses will have a bar for you to come in, settle up your bets with your friends, grab a bite to eat, grab a few beers, and they call that the 19th hole. That's the that's the meeting place after your round. So you hit the bar and they're generally called the 19th hole. And Brad, why specifically do you know this? Um, I was a golf pro for about four years. So I worked at a country club, uh, giving golf lessons, you know, running the facility, things like that. So I have been in the golf business, uh, in a previous incarnation of my life. So, uh, yeah, I'm quite familiar with, uh, the 19th hole, 19th hole. (laughs) This is one of the Brad facts that, uh, I forget every now and then. (laughs) And then every time I'm told it, it's like, I'm learning it for the first time. Like I remember that I knew it, but I get the joy out of knowing that thing every time it comes up. <laughs> Brad Dowdy, golf pro. That's so right. the 19th hole is where you relax. This is the mentality of cricket. They want these shirts to be as good on the 18th hole as they are on the 19th. They want them to be perfect for whatever scenario you need them in, whether you're getting stuff done or you're relaxing. That's what it's all about. And their clothes fit the bill. They look great. The colors are great. I, I had a lovely green polo shirt. It's so soft. Like, it feels really good. It hasn't got that kind of stiff feeling that I've found from polo shirts in the past. Um, I think the collar stays are really smart. I love that. Um, 
I, I've been thinking about like where is my 19th hole. Uh, I think it might just be in bed. And I would totally wear <laughs> one of these in bed because they are that comfortable. Yeah, you can go find out one. more about Cricket Shirts today by going to, this is a special URL, right? It's, it's not how it sounds. The URL is C-R-I-Q-U-E-T-S-H-I-R-T-S.com. So Cricket Shirts, Cricket is spelled C-R-I-Q-U-E-T. So go to cricketshirts.com slash penaddict. There will, of course, be a link for this in the show notes. And because you are a listener of this show, you'll get a lovely 20% off your first purchase when you use the code PENADDICT at checkout. Thank you so much to Cricket for their support of this show and Relay FM. So one other thing you may or may not know under hashtag BradFacts, mm-hmm. um, I worked for Brooks Brothers as well. Are you familiar with Brooks Brothers? No. It's the historic uh, men's brand, if you will, started in the 1900s. Are you familiar with Marks & Spencer? Yeah. So Marks and Spencer end up buying Brooks Brothers like in the nineties or two thousand, something like that. But anyway, it's kind of it was considered a higher end um, men's and women's um, traditional clothing shop. So one of my favorite products, I've just looked through this cricket stuff while uh, we're we're talking. They actually have a long sleeve shirt. Yeah, I have one. that looks like the shirt I used to have at Brooks Brothers. That was my favorite long sleeve polo shirts. You don't find good quality long sleeve polo shirts. You can get short sleeve anywhere. These long sleeves look killer. So I'm going to have to get in on the uh, the long sleeve cricket shirt action here uh, after the show. Yeah, you should. I, I, uh, I'd never had or never even seen a long sleeve polo shirt mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was kind of interesting when I got it. I was like, what, what is this? I've never seen yep. this before. And I was like, oh, this is kind of nice. This is different. So yeah, yeah. so that's one of my favorite uh, clothing items. But it's, it's just you know, generally a fall winter thing here, which we don't have too much. So I miss them when I don't get to wear them. So I'll be, uh, I'll be checking these out uh, as soon as we're done. Awesome. All right. What's up next? TP- ask TPA time. Hashtag ask TPA time. Yes, it is. And um, we have a couple... This first this first email is pretty cool. I, I'm excited about this first email. And we have a couple other email, Ask TPAs, and they have a bunch of Twitter questions. So if I don't get to them all today, I'll save them for next week and keep them coming in because we have a lot of shows to fill uh, early <laughs> in these mm-hmm. next coming weeks. So we will be getting to lots of Ask TPA questions. So keep, keep sending them in. But this first one is from a listener named Pablo, and he's from Mexico City, which he lets me know in the... In the title of his email, and I thought this was really... Hola, Pablo. This is really cool. He says, Hey, pen addicts, I write to you from Mexico City. I must say I'm not really a knowledgeable pen user and consumer. However, I have the good fortune of living with a wonderful woman who happens to be a true pen addict. Excellent. She is a devoted fan of your show. She's starting to build her own collection. She bought a Pilot Vanishing Point, a Lamy Vista, a Twisby Eco, and... If she knew I was butchering the names of her pens, she would have a fit. (laughs) And I think the the Pilot Custom 74, he says. Even though she is really fond of pens and is learning every day, she has not written to you or anything. She's a bit shy that way. I write this because I wanted to ask if you could say hi to her in an upcoming show. I know it would mean a lot to her, and surely it means a lot to me. Her name is Patricia. Your show is great, and know that you guys have a loyal listener in Mexico City. All the best, Pablo. How awesome is that? That is awesome. So I will now say hola to Patricia as well. Hola, Patricia. We're so glad you listened. And um, it sounds like, uh, you know, Pablo uh, knows what's right here. So he, he is he is looking out. And uh, Patricia, you looks like you have a, a guy that wants to to feed your pen addiction. So uh, 
<laughs> yeah, you could, Patricia, you could use this the next time yeah. you want to buy a pen and Pablo's like, oh, I'm not so sure. You can just say it's his fault. That's right. Because he is he's making you more and more of a pen addict, right? By by having you be uh, getting a shout out on the show. Yes, yeah, so Ola Patricia, write to us anytime and I even have um if you go to the contact page of penaddict.com slash contact at the bottom is my mailing address. If you ever want to write a letter, we uh take written letters as well. So uh have fun listening to the show and if you ever have any questions, don't hesitate to drop Mike and I am email. And thanks Pablo for uh for sending this email. I really like the idea of written Ask TPA, so I'm going to propose something which you Mm -hmm. may end up regretting. (laughs) Uh, I would like to do, at some point in the future, a full episode of written Ask TPA. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen... So we need to pick a date. Well, just start sending them. (laughs) Because, look, they're going to get sent forever. That's what I'm saying. We need to say, like, in November, this date, you know, have them in before then. You know, it gives people, like, a month to start sending in letters, and we'll do that. You pick a date. Yeah, just it's on your mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> so here, we'll pick a date right now. But let's just give everyone how about exactly a month? October twenty sixth, have your letters in. Um, because we will be recording that day for the November second show, which we will do all written as TPA. So we'll put a link in the show notes to my P.O. box address. Um, so you can get your letters out and give you a, a few weeks to get them in the mail and get them uh, get them in front of my eyeballs so we can prepare for that show. Great oh. idea, Michael. Awesome, and we'll remind you. We're going to remind you as we run up now to to the uh, to that episode. So you need to get them in by October twenty sixth to have a chance. We have your letter read out on the show. Perfect. All right. So next, STPA is from Oscar. And this is kind of a, a timely one, and I wanted to bring it up just to uh, discuss the Pelican Hubs. So Oscar wanted to know, with this year's Pelican Hubs wrapping up, I was wondering what your thoughts on are on this event, which takes place all over the world on the same day at the same time, as well as they're spending a small fortune on sending out goodies. This year's Hubs received a bottle of Edelstein Ink of the Year, pen sleeves, and a notebook for every participant. Do you think that is something that may expand to other brands taking part in similar events? What they do is kind of amazing. Did you follow any of the posts on that? I linked to them in this week's refill. Um, Aziza and uh, Steven in Amsterdam helped host one. Um, Joe from Gentleman Stationer in Nashville helped hosted one. Host one. We sent um, some things from Knock to the one in Washington D.C. I know the Pelicans Perch was involved in the Philadelphia one. It's kind of a big deal, and Pelican puts a lot, a lot of time and effort and money behind this event. So, what do you think about this, Mike? Why do they do it? Do you think I mean, it's just a marketing event, and they want to give something back to their? You know, Pelican's one of those brands that has loyal, loyal customers, right? I mean, there's an entire blog which I just said the Pelicans Perch. People like. It's one of those brands that they follow, like you follow Apple, right? So they want to give back to those people by saying, hey, we're going to have this event. Um, You know, we'll send, we'll have someone in all of these towns that will be basically, they call them the hub master, where they'll send all this products to. And you plan this get together on this date and this time. And you talk about Pelican stuff, but it's really not. I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome that a brand like Pelican, a long-standing brand, 
is giving away free gifts to anybody who loves their kind of stuff enough that they're willing to kind of get together with other fans. I think it's I think it's awesome. This is like an extension of the pen show idea, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and Pelican are, are being very smart and they're kind of centering them around them. And I think it's I think it's a really I think it's a really smart idea. Um, I think it is an idea that is with no offense to anyone. Uh, smarter than what you tend to see from pen companies who oh, typically sure. are very kind of um, old school and buy the book and not doing much that changes. Uh, I think this is this is one of those things where it's like, yeah, good on you guys. Yeah, so they sent out full... So like the, the hub master would basically say, I have 12 people RSVP'd for these events. And it's basically like a local pen meetup. So you get to meet other people that you may not know in your area that are into fountain pens, which so it has that added benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, but they sent full bottles of the Edelstein um, Ink of the Year, what, Aquamarine, I think is this one, um, to each participant. Like if you went to this event, you came home with like a full bottle plus all this other swag, all from Pelican um, at, at no cost. That's kind of amazing. You know, that's a huge expense for them. Yeah. But I think um, it's worth it from a marketing standpoint. It's an expense on from, both ends, right? They're losing the sale, mm-hmm. potentially. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. you can have your own opinion on whether they would got it in the first place. Uh, but mm-hmm. they're also shipping them. So, yeah, to see that commitment from Pelican and to see this event, it's been going on for a little while, um, to continue to grow like this, you know, maybe next year I can get involved in, in the Atlanta event and things like that. You know, it just kind of snuck up on me this year and, you know, wasn't able to do anything, but, um, it, it's really cool. I'd love to see other companies be more involved with the local communities of pen fans and online communities of pen fans. It gets all of us together to talk about the things we love and to have someone as big as Pelican to be behind it. Um, it's pretty great. So wonderful stuff. Speaking of ink, Michael, how do you test ink and organize all the inks you own or like, do you use an ink journal, separate cards? Like I see in many online reviews, something else. Do you record pen and ink combinations? Certain inks seem to work better in certain pens. When you find a killer match, do you keep it that way? Or do you continue swapping out ink and experimenting? And I, this is from Justin. So Justin is asking this question. And I told him I'd answer it on the show. This is one of the things that I fail at in my fountain pen and ink love. I don't track the inks as well as I should. Like I look at um, like Anna at the well-appointed desk and Matt from Pen Habit keep essentially card catalogs of ink swabs so they can pull out you know if they have a new turquoise they can pull out other turquoises to so people have a point of reference when comparing they say oh i have this turquoise this is how it relate to it i think that's awesome so there's lots of different ways you can do that you know um there's you know companies that make like the like i reviewed these uh moramon um little cards that you know work really good for ink swabs some people use the notco dot dash cards um but i haven't put together a library or a catalog of my inks and i really should because it's it's super useful when i'm talking about other things to be able to show people that matt also does a thing called the currently ink log which we'll put an ink link to that in the show notes it's where you take your currently inked pens Put down the information on the pen, on the ink, the date you filled it. Then you can come back and you can put the date you cleaned it right now. Um, when you know when you clean it, you can put that date and you can have some notes. How did it work within the pen? So that's a really good way to track. I think that's probably the best way is to use something like a currently inked log. And you know, mats are great. They have great paper. You could just 
log it in a notebook, you know, if you want as well. I've tried that and, you know, you can put a little swab of ink on there as well to keep track of it. But, um, those are kind of the, the two different ways. I don't really do either of those things religiously. Um, although I do see the benefit in doing that. And I'm going to guess, um, you just have one ink swab and it's Fuyugaki everywhere. It wouldn't much. take me long to do this, would it? Yeah. <laughs> yep, wouldn't take you long, but that's okay. That's actually a good thing, I think. It's better in some ways. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to get to some of these ass TPAs and we've uh I've I've missed them for the last couple of weeks or so. So um Princess Chalk on Twitter do either of you boys know a Canadian-based online pin store? Our exchange rate is hurting, and I need to get my pin fix. This is so easy because I follow her and talk to her a lot. Wonder Pins, based in Toronto, has a great online shop. Liz is wonderful. She uh, runs a great blog. I, I subscribe to their blog just to read it, even though I've never ordered anything from it. Uh, from her, you know, being in Canada and all, you know, just like, you know, Princess Chalk wants to find somewhere, you know, in her country to order from. Wonder Pens is an excellent, excellent choice, excellent retailer. And if you're in Canada, um, you should definitely check them out. And even if you're not, you should check them out because they do a wonderful job um, with their store. Boom. Boom. Easy. Easy mode. That was the easiest question I'll answer all day. So Luke AR wants to know, what's the best ballpoint refill? I use fountain pens mostly, but my job requires writing on carbon paper a lot. So it's the Uniball Jetstream. It's the answer I have all the time. It's not going to fit in every pen, but it's going to fit in all the Jetstreams. They have all the models. If you had to pick, Mike, what would you pick? Uh, Pilot G2. That's Wait, a is that rollable? Pen. It's a gel pen. Well, then I have no answer. I don't like them. Exactly, but you're over there mocking me I just with your hate noises. I and I don't it. even know. I don't even know what, what a rollable is, clearly. Well, it's a ballpoint, so you're way off. Oh my god, I've fallen apart. Mm, you have fallen apart. Mm-hmm. I guess it was you've drank the Fuyugaki juice too much. I'm too far gone now. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's that's the best ballpoint. Um, if you want to try something different, other ballpoints I like are Lamy's ballpoints. They come in various pen sizes and price points. You know, I use the Lamy 2000. That's kind of expensive, but you can get them in, in other cheaper models. So they have a really good ballpoint refill. That's a standard ballpoint. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I used a ballpoint or even a rollerball. I, I, I just don't use them. I've actually been using them quite frequently, which is also helpful when I'm trying to sell some pens too. So it kind of all works together. One big happy pen family. So Oh Truthful wants to know, what syringe do you recommend for filling cartridges? Jacquard needle tip was not skinny enough to allow air to leave the cartridge. Mike, you're an ex- expert on syringes. So what say you? I don't even know what you're getting at. <laughs> What what's this? What is this? Huh? I don't I just thought you might know. I don't know. Okay, so I'll take this one. I actually am an expert on syringes even though I don't know the names of them. But you just want to make sure you get um order from one of the pen companies online. They're all starting to stock these um flat uh, st- blunt nose needle tips so you're not poking yourself um with your uh, syringes. I don't actually have a brand name, but any of them as long as they have a blunt nose needle you're good. They all work fine and you'll, you'll get, um, you know, you want to look for the wider gauges. So they have wider holes openings, but I haven't had any issues with air not flowing through when, when getting, uh, when getting them, I think she's talking about, or, 
he's talking about like the plastic uh, tip needles that you have to really like seal off when you're refilling a cartridge. They kind of block the airflow. These traditional syringes um, you can get at you know Anderson pens, Goulet pens, Jet pens. I think they all carry carry them now. So just shop for one of those, and um, you can even probably find some on Amazon. But I haven't looked there. So hot cup of loving, which I just love saying that Twitter handle. I, I talked to her all. She's a she's a she's an ATLian. So um, uh, I always want to answer her questions. So although Notco covers my case needs when I take my fountain pens out of the house, I need a nice case for home under sixty dollars. So the price point may be an issue because I haven't looked, but the case that I would recommend is uh, from Franklin Christoph. They have these um pocket. Uh, gosh, not the pocket. The flap uh, leather cases that are very sturdy, very well made. They're very popular um, among people who you know carry their pens. But that's like a six or eight pin. Um, if you're looking for something bigger, Franklin Christoph also carries like the larger folder folio type cases. So I would look at what Franklin Christoph carries um, for that. And um, yeah, they make they make really they have uh, really good stuff. So. That's where I'd that's where I would head first. So Maddie J. Williams wants to know if we have any rollerball recommendations that take fountain pen ink. Is there any benefit over just using a fountain pen? This is a really good question. And we've talked about this from time to time over the years. There are specific pens made by specific companies. J. Herbon comes to mind. Uh Caveco comes to mind. That make a rollerball, a cartridge, a fountain pen cartridge filling rollerball pen. And across the board, they're terrible. It's just not something that should happen because fountain pen ink is generally not viscous enough to have the ball in the rollerball write smoothly across the page. It can be done and it's a thing and pen companies do it. It's generally not a good writing experience. Yeah, I've used get... the J. Urban one, and it's mm-hmm. a nightmare. Yeah, it just it feels like you're writing with like a rock because it can't get any kind of smooth turn on the ball in the tip of the pen. So it's really ragged and rough. It's just not a comfortable thing. So I don't see that there's any benefits of using that. You use it just to kind of have fun. You know, you know, it's a thing, but it's never been a very useful thing, if you will. Mm. So this next one, I want to throw out to, to the people because there is an answer and I just don't have it. So cub Buckeye, see you Buckeye wants any recommendations for fountain pen friendly printer paper. There's been people that have done tests on say, you know, the big 500 count sheet packs of printer paper that you buy at the office supply store and have found a couple that have worked well, you're generally going to go with a a higher weight. So like um, standard copier paper, say might be a 20 pound. I think the 24 um, and 32 pounds might actually be a better, um, better thing for you to use and to at least test. But there are people and I'll throw that out to um, through the chat room and to the listeners to email me what fountain pen friendly paper, like brand and spec have you used that have, have found to be, um, you know, a good quality fountain pen experience because some people might want to sneak that into their office and, uh, you know, get everyone drinking the fountain pen Kool-Aid. Like I did when I forgot like what a rollerball was. <laughs> yeah. We're so in, 
so into the fountain pens. Who knew, right? Mike didn't even remember what a rollerball is. All right, a couple more, and we'll wrap it up for today. So the nib creep, the real nib creep, excuse me. Can you think of more blogs or YouTube channels with a single focus like Three Staples or Pelican's Perch? So I think the question is, like, Jenny, Three Staples, focuses on field notes, and Pelican's Perch obviously focuses on Pelican. I don't know that I can think of anyone that has that singular focus. Um, You know, like I follow Matt, the pen habit. Well, he does fountain pens and inks, but it's not like, okay, only Omos fountain pens, you know, are on this channel. It's not like specific like that. Um, And there's plenty of, you know, bloggers, you know, Stephen Brown and, um, you know, other people that do general fountain pen stuff. I can't think of any product specific YouTube channels that are focusing on something like field notes, Pelican as a brand or other things like that. Can you think of anything? And I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not a big YouTuber. You know, I'm not into the whole YouTube ecosystem. I follow the people I follow and I might pick up another one or two here or there. So I don't know if this is out there. So, you know, does someone focus on pilot as a brand, you know, someone focus on sailor as a brand that would be kind of cool but um i don't know any offhand and i would love to hear it if it was because i think that would be uh pretty good watching because uh three staples and pelicans perch are, are two of my favorite reads as it is i like those product uh brands brand focus blogs they're very cool no knowing the internet as it is i know that those things exist but there's none none that i can recommend other than the ones that you've already spoken about mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this next one is a very specific question with a general kind of uh, feel to it. So, oh, Eke Berganderson says, My wife bought me turquoise ink from Venice. The brand is Il Papiro, but there is a strange smell to it. Any experience or thoughts? So, What is the specific. smell, do you think? Well, it's very specific to that. He's saying it's very specific to this brand, but I'm saying it's very general to inks and as a whole, a lot of them smell. I mean, a lot of them smell chemically, a lot of them smell herbally, and it's the different compounds that go into different inks, and they produce a different smell. And it's not on, I mean, it's uh, it's uh, it's enough, not a purposeful thing. It's more of a as-needed. You know, they might have a preservative that is keeping the ink from mildewing, but it has to be this certain one to make the color accurate to the ink that they sell. So this ink may smell while another one may not. You know, I'm not a chemist, but that's kind of the things that go into these inks. Um, you'll and, have, and it also translates as Aziz will turn you into taste. <laughs> it does translate. They do taste different because uh-huh. of this too. So not that you should know that. I'd yeah, point that out. <laughs> not all inks are created the same. You know, Sailor is probably my favorite ink brand, and they're very well known for having a smell. There's a Sailor ink smell. It's whatever they're using in there to either keep the ink fresh to make the color accurate. It's it's a chemical smell. There's nothing wrong with your ink that it smells. But some people can't have that smell. Like I communicate with someone online who has a physical reaction to the smell, like a nauseated reaction and can't use certain inks. And I can understand that. You know, some of them are very strong. Some of them, most of them you can't smell when you're writing with it. You just smell it from the bottle as a whole. When you're writing, I I don't know that I've ever smelled uh, an ink really. Um, Maybe the Sailor Nano 
pigmented inks, those are very strong. Um, something like that. But you usually don't, when you're writing with them, you know, it's it's much more smaller sample than, you know, catching a whiff of the whole bottle. So speaking of inks, and we'll wrap it up on this one, Mike. Kim herself wants to know if a Fountain Kristoff Coke bottle pen and Emerald of Shavor, is it a good combination? I'm concerned about cleaning the pen after. So for those aren't familiar, Franklin Kristoff does a clear acrylic, like a light green. They call it the Coke bottle because it was like the old Coke bottles used to use had that green tint, but it was still transparent. Emerald of Shavor, if you're not familiar with, is one of the J. Herbon sparkle inks. So it has gold flecks in it. Which one is the Coke bottle? It's the light green. Okay. So I have uh, like some clear ones like the ice ones, but I don't have the Coke bottle one, has a green tint to it. Still the same idea. Clear barrel. And Emerald of Shavor is the turquoise with gold flecks, which is beautiful inks. Is it a good combination? I'm going to go with yes. And I don't think it's going to stain your pen. It could. But, I mean, if you're not leaving it in there for a month or two, I think you'll be fine. You know, it's. I don't think Emerald of Shavor would stain your Coke bottle pen more than any other ink would stain your Coke bottle pen. I mean, J. Herbon makes decent inks. The gold flecks certainly aren't going to stick. It might be harder to clean out. I don't think it's going to damage your pen. Those inks are just not easy to clean regardless. So no matter what pen you're going to use that ink in, it's going to be an issue. I don't think having the clear demonstrator barrel like the Coke bottle pen is any different than any other pen. In well, this particular you, you, but case. you usually don't see it. You usually don't see it. Yep, I would agree with it. But I don't, I mean, I would do it. I'm just going to use that pen. I just want to make sure I use that pen a lot and not leave it sitting for a week. But that's more because of the gold flex stuff clogging up the nibs mm-hmm. and the feeds as opposed to what it will do to the barrel. I don't think it'll necessarily do anything to the barrel. Right. I mean, I mean, I have one of my old Franklin Christoph Model 45s, I think, not the 45, whatever, the small pocket one when they first came out with the fire and ice. And one of those is kind of tinted blue, but that's okay. I mean, it's probably like from Conpecky, something pretty normal. But by the t- the next ink you fill it with, you don't even see it. You know, you do see it if it's going to bug you a little bit, you know, when it's empty laying there, you can see it a little bit. I mean, that's just kind of the deal with that pen. So my voice is shot, Michael. Yeah, um, you've you've answered so many questions today. You're gonna have to yeah. take a break now. Yeah, I'm gonna take a break, get something to drink, uh, maybe at the 19th hole. Good idea. And, um, and yeah, we'll have a uh, have a little party afterwards. So, if you want to find our show notes for this week, which is where you can also find a link to the contact page at the Pen Addict, um, so you can get that address for our write in Ask TP episode, go to relay.fm/penaddict/224. You'll find links there for everything, including to our lovely sponsors, Pen Chalet and Cricket. Go support them because it helps support us. If you want to find Brad online, you can go uh, to penaddict.com, knock.co, and he is at penaddict on Instagram and at dowdyism on Twitter. Um, I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E, on Twitter, Instagram, and currently for probably just a limited time, Snapchat. I'm trying Snapchat, Brad. Whoa. And, uh, yeah, let me know how that works out. I'm trying to be down with the kids. Federico convinced me, told me to to stay relevant. So I'm trying my best. Yeah, Federico convinces me on a lot of things. That is not one of them. I have tried, um, but nope. 
So you can you can hit me up on Snapchat. At least for the time being, I'm kind of letting people send me stuff and, and that kind of thing. I'm just going to see how it all goes and dive in headfirst. Nice. Uh, <laughs> thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad. <laughs>